Hello everyone and welcome to another Rowdy Buddhist Podcast. I'm really happy to be able to share some information with you today. Uh, I'm very excited to be able to share this wonderful story again from the miraculous tales of the Lotus Sutra from ancient Japan. This one is very special for Nichiren Buddhist in that of one of the masters of the Lotus Sutra, we have Grandmaster Dengyo. And the story is about him. Now, the monk, the monk Saicho, also called Dengyo Daishi, uh, who uh, lived between September 15th, 767, and June 26th, 822, took an envoy to Tang, China, and studied at Mount Tiantai. There, Saicho received the Mahayana or Bodhisattva precepts from the sixth patriarch of the Tiantai school as well as advanced dharma instruction in the various chants, meditations, and practices of the many different schools of Chinese Buddhism. Eight months later, he set out back for Japan, carrying hundreds of sutras, treaties, and commentaries. On the way home, he was initiated into mudras, mantras, and mandalas of esoteric Buddhism by the Chinese monk Shun Suo, and he returned from China with the new Tiantai text in 805. He also is the creator of the Mount Hie or Endakuji Temple, which he wished to create as a center for study and practice, uh, which would become the headquarters of what we now know as Tendai Buddhism. In this book, there is a very specific story about Master Dengyo, and the title is Master Dengyo Who Built the Temple on Mount Hie. Master Dengyo was a man from the Shiga district of Omi province with a secular clan named Mitsu. At the age of seven, the master understood the deep, deep meanings of the Hokekyo, Hokekyo meaning Lotus Sutra, and endeavored to know all concerning it. He took the tonsure, entered the priesthood, and practiced the way of, by following the teachings. At one time he found a relic of the Buddha in the ashes of a censer. As he continued to investigate the ashes, wishing to remove the relic, he saw a golden vase for flowers in the ashes. In the fourth year of Endaku, the master deeply felt the transitoriness of the world. Lamenting the shallowness of the contemporary teachings, he retired into the mountains to free his mind for the Mahayana teachings. The master climbed Mount Hie and built a humble hut. He daily recited the Hokekyo to satisfy his obligations to his parents, to other sentient beings, to the head of the country, and to the three treasures. He also practiced the four kinds of meditation. The four kinds of meditation, on a side note, for the Tendai sect, or other known, otherwise known as the four kinds of Samadhi, include meditation while sitting for 90 days, invoking Amida's name for 90 days, practicing seated and ambulatory meditation, and the Ishin Sangan meditation, in which one perceives a phenomenon from the three viewpoints instantaneously. He was devoted in his practices and meditations. Aspiring firmly to the highest Buddhahood, he realized the following. The vast three worlds contain only suffering, but no comforts. 
The four kinds of birth in delusion give no comfort but cause pain. To explain a little, the three worlds are the world of desire, the world of form, where beings have no desire and feed on light, and the formless world, where only consciousness exists. Secondly, the four manners of birth refers to the existence of all beings and comprises birth from the womb. Man, animal, birth from the egg, which is the bird, birth from moisture, which is insects, and emanation by karma, beings of heaven and beings of hell. The son of Shakyamuni Buddha has long been gone, and the moon of the future Buddhas have not yet risen. The sufferings from the three misfortunes are approaching, and we have been sinking into the deep pool of the five defilements. Again, the three misfortunes are the three lesser calamities which are including war, famine, and pestilence, and the greater calamities such as fire, flood, and storm, all of which occur at the end of the Kalpa of Destruction, which in Nichiren Buddhism we call Mappo. Moreover, our transient life is difficult to preserve, and we perish easily. The dark and comfortless graves of the grass and earth contain the scattered white bones of young and old, and the souls of the high and low constantly fight. As I observe this, I see the inevitable course of my life. Since I have not yet ingested the pills of the hermit's immortality, I have difficulty in controlling my deluded soul. Lacking the mysterious power of perceiving the limit of my life, I have no way to determine the approach of my last moments. Unless I practice good deeds while alive, I will become a bundle of firewood after my death. Human existence is difficult to acquire. While a good mind is hard to develop, and to forget is easy. This is why Shakyamuni Buddha compared the difficulty of attaining human existence to that of finding a needle in a great sea, and to that of threading a needle at the foot of the peak by lowering the thread from the heights. King Kokun-u of ancient China observed that life passed vainly as he regretted a transient moment and a passing shadow. Just as an effect is impossible without a cause, suffering will be inevitable unless a good deed existed. As I humbly reflect on my life, I have received the four things, clothes, food, bedding, and precepts. Being ignorant, I am, invoked in, I, am, I am involved in the delusion of the four kinds of birth. Just as the Mizo Inenkyo says, that those who make offerings will be reborn in heaven while those who receive offerings will enter hell. The woman, Dai, who sincerely made offerings of the four things to the five greedy priests, was rewarded in her latter existence as the fortunate lady 
Madika, while the five greedy priests were reborn as the stone women, the servants of Lady Madika. How clear the relationship of cause and effect is! Who could ever fail to perceive this law? Shakyamuni Buddha compared those lacking goodness to those who know the cause of suffering and yet do not fear its effects and admonish those in the human status who neglect practicing good, comparing them to the handless ones who are unable to grasp the teachings of the three treasures. I, Saicho, the most foolish of fools, the craziest of the crazy, and the worst of the deluded priests, have been out of harmony with Buddhas and emperors, and have been unsuccessful in cultivating others. In my confused mind, I have humbly made vows. I regard non-profit as an expedient. I consider my following vows most important and as durable as diamonds. Since I have not yet reached the enlightened state of the six senses, I will not enter secular life to cultivate others. Since I have not yet acquired a mind to illuminate my intellect, I have no talents. Since I have not yet received the purifying shila rules or precepts, I will not attend the services offered by patrons. Since I have not yet obtained the wisdom, I will not engage in secular affairs. The merits which I acquire in my present life will not be attributed only to myself, but will be transferred to others so that they will all attain supreme Buddhahood. Instead of enjoying the taste of enlightenment, peace, and comfort by myself, I humbly desire to climb to the highest state of Buddhahood together with others in the world of the law and to appreciate the fruit of the law with others. With these vows, if I attain the state of the six senses and of the four kinds of mysterious powers, I will not benefit only myself, nor remain within the boundary of the Hinayana enlightenment, but will extend myself widely throughout the world of the law, enter into the six worlds, purify the land of the Buddha, cultivate others, and practice the way forever. Although the Master's vows are not supposed to be included, future ascetics will become pious by his vows. As he examined all the sacred writings, he found that the Hokekyo, the Lotus Sutra, was most essential. Every time when he recited it, he tearfully grieved over his ignorance of the meanings in the text. So he copied the writings by Master Jidi, including the Endo Shikan, the Hoke Genki, the Hoke Mongu, and the Shikyogi, reviewed them by day and by night, and appreciated them as the foremost of the teachings. Master Dengyo traveled to China in the 23rd year of Endaku, went to Mount Tiantai and learned the Tendai teachings from priest Dosui, 
Abbot Gyomaman of the Butsuroji Temple gave many Buddhist writings to Master Dengyo and said to him, quote, Long ago, Master Jiri said, More than two hundred years after my death, I will be reborn in an eastern country and spread the law. Just as he predicted, I am now meeting you. Return quickly to your country and propagate the teachings. Master Dengyo returned to Japan in the 24th year of Endaku. When he lectured on the Hokkei-kyo at the Hachiman Shrine, a purple robe appeared from behind the main hall and offered itself to Dengyo, who received it with a cry of joy. He gave a, ladder, a letter, ladder, later lecture at the Kasuga Shrine, the garden of which was in due course covered by purple clouds. The purple robe from the Hachiman Shrine has been stored in the treasure house of Mount Hie to deliver sentient beings in the period of the imitative law. Dengyo carved the statue of Yakushi Buddha, placed it in the Komponchudo temple on Mount Hie, and vowed to propagate the Hokkei-kyo teachings. Later, he built the Hokkei-sanmai temple, where he preached the law, recited the Hokkei-kyo incessantly by day and by night, and made a vow that the taper's light would never be extinguished. In his last moments, Dengyo said to his disciples, quote, My life will not last long. After my death, do not grieve in mourning attire. My colleagues of this mountain cannot drink sake because of complying with the prohibition. If you violate this rule, you are neither my colleagues nor my disciples. Recite the Hokkei-kyo daily. Study the correct teachings. Strive in practicing meditation and cause the law to live forever. This is because we wish to repay the favor granted our nation and deliver many others. So put forth your utmost efforts. My colleagues, do not be lethargic in your practice of the four kinds of meditation. During my life, I have frequently learned practiced and propagated the law. If you understand this, you will certainly look forward to attaining Buddhahood. During life after life, through the generations, continue to discipline this disillusioned mind in the serene light of the law and finally install it on the seat of enlightenment. Master Dengyo continued, quote, I have never spoken abusively nor administered any corporal punishments. I would be greatly appreciative if you, my colleagues, will not hit and abuse your young acolytes and servants. May you practice the way more and more diligently. In the hour of the dragon, from 7 to 9 o'clock in the morning, of the fourth day of the sixth month of the thirteenth year of Konin, Master Dengyo finally passed away, lying on his right side at the Chudoin Temple of Mount Hie. He was 56 years old. Unusual clouds formed above the mountain summit. Strange lights illuminated the valleys. Birds and deer voiced their grief, and grasses and trees withered.
This is a wonderful story that teaches the character and mind of Grandmaster Dengyo. As you can see, this is why he is one of the Grandmasters of the Lotus Sutra and is in the, the, part, the lineage of transmitting and teaching the Lotus Sutra. This is the information and guidance that Nichiren Shonen surely would have followed as he regarded himself as one of the great masters of the Lotus Sutra by being able to live his life in benefit and manifestation of the sacred law. Therefore, I hope you have enjoyed and found this useful in your practice and study. Namu Myoho Renge Kyo.